It's not the first time that Facebook has mishandled its users' information. The FTC found that Facebook's privacy policies had deceived users in the past. And in the present case, we recognize that Cambridge Analytica and an app developer lied to consumers and lied to you, lied to Facebook, but did Facebook watch over the operations? We want to know that. And why didn't Facebook notify 87 million users that their personally identifiable information had been taken? Every company is a media company. Every company is a media company. A media company? Media company. A media company. Media company. Every company is a media company. I'm Jason Lopez. And I'm Tom Kramsky. And on today's show, we're going to talk about Mark Zuckerberg's appearance on Capitol Hill last week in front of Congress to talk about data security breaches and Facebook's handling of consumer data, among other things. And uh, so let's start off, Tom, let me ask you uh, just what, what's your general sense of what happened last week? Well, he spent two days up there, and uh, I thought he did pretty well. He was sitting up there alone, um, no, no advisors on either side of him, taking on question after question. Um, the, the legislators had a tough time, though, because they only had four minutes to ask him questions, and so they weren't able to f- follow up with questions or, or pursue a line of questioning. Um, some of them were very aggressive. Uh, Ted Cruz was pretty good. Um, uh, the others were, um, you know, he kind of, he was caught in a way of trying to explain what Facebook does to them in a way. But, um, but overall, Zuckerberg did very well. Um, and I think he's kind of emerging as um, Silicon Valley's most prominent leader. For example, I don't see Google, anybody at Google um, challenging him. Larry Page has got some kind of speech disability. Um, uh, Sergey Brin is building a hundred million dollar airship, I think. Um, and you know the guy that's running Google today. Well, nobody really knows him, and the, and the, and the Hill loves famous people because you know they love media publicity. They live and die by media publicity. So the more famous, rich, and notorious you are, the better for the Hill. It seems. Right, right. Well, I wonder if you could encapsulate just what Congress was after in this session. I was, I was a little bit disappointed in the line of questioning because it was all very much consumer data related, and uh, and nobody was seemed to be making the point. Well, you know, these companies are, cons- uh, are collecting all this consumer data, and we allow them to do that so they can save money on their sales costs. Uh, you know, uh, to produce more direct, uh, you know, relevant ads for example. But at the expense of that, it now leaves consumers vulnerable to these hidden agendas, hidden political manipulations they don't know about. You know, the, the, the fact that you buy this kind of soap or, or, or that kind of tea, now, you know, you can infer lots of things from all that data. And so is it fair for these companies to to create these huge dossiers, huge databases on on all of us, just so they can save a little money, a bit of money on sales and marketing costs, while endangering democracy, and also leaving everybody vulnerable to these hidden manipulations. You know, it kind of comes down to that. And I didn't hear any kind of questioning around that. 
Um, there was a lot of questioning about, oh, we were talking about this one day and suddenly all the ads started popping up. You know, there was a lot of questions like that. There seems to be a, a belief that Facebook is always listening, always listening and always pumping that data back into its uh, algorithms. Well, I know from your point of view that the Russian interference, of course, uh, kick-started Congress's interest in uh, Facebook and what's going on at Facebook. But uh, I, I know you, and, and I know that your concerns go much deeper than that. Yes, and I've, I think also, I'm not quite sure that uh, the legislators understand uh, this incident. Um, Cambridge Analytica didn't break any laws. They they broke uh, the terms of service that Facebook had brought in. Now, it constantly changes those terms of service. At the time, for example, that the data was being collected by this researcher, uh, this quiz program, well, that was okay. Facebook allowed uh, the application to collect that data, and it wasn't the only application doing it. There's, There's tons and tons of them out there. So this is really just one little example of uh, an, an issue that's much bigger than this. And yet, I think everybody was thinking, well, this is just the Cambridge Analytica issue, and now we're on top of it. Well, it's okay. Um, well, it's not. Uh, and I think um, with Zuckerberg, uh, him taking on this role uh, and defending um, the ad tech you know the advertising technology that's that spies and snitches on people well that's an adversarial position he's taking and so he's going to have to be defending that um, for the next few years because I'm sure this isn't going to be the only incident where these technologies uh, spark outrage in fact these technologies are going to get even better right so they're going to become even more intrusive, and it's going to spark even more outrage in the future. So it's a it's a tough it's a tough position to take. I've argued that Facebook should offer subscriptions and and not have to collect all this stuff, and it can just you know, sit back and relax and you know, back up a few uh, server farms here and there and maintain a few APIs and collect monthly revenue, you know, and work for us instead of trying to sell us out. Let me ask a question about the difference between Facebook and Google and their approaches. Uh, Facebook is a closed uh, system, and for the most part, all the data that they gather is from users that just go to their website and, and, and use the website. Whereas Google, with their AdSense and their ad technologies, you kind of don't know where, where they're at, um, wherever you go on, on the web. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's true. I mean, the, the, there's a big difference between Google and Facebook. Um, um, Google does have its AdSense advertising network, which uh, which operates on third-party sites, um, and that's a significant part of its uh, revenues, um, uh, and so on. So, it, while Facebook does have a closed system. Um, you know, this week it, it banned uh, working with outside uh, data companies. So you have to go to Facebook and you have to use Facebook's data to target um, the people you want to see your ads. Um, uh, with Google, it's different um, uh, and so on. So 
if Facebook does have to hire, so Facebook is investing a lot of money in, um, it's hiring thousands of uh, people to review the content. I mean, I'd call them editors. They don't call them editors. I'm not quite sure what they call them. But so Facebook is going to be facing large, uh, large expenses going forward to police this content. Um, now, one thing that, uh, you know, I mean, this is good, of course, but Facebook's got to make sure that it's not the only one on the on the line for these expenses. So it's going to have to bring in some type of regulations or support regulations that require other companies to do the same. Uh, now, how is Google going to handle something like that? It already it also employs tens of thousands of people to review content. Um, so it's so it has a very similar system now. If you've got all these editors, well, aren't you a media company? Uh, Zuckerberg was asked that uh, on the Hill. He said, "No, we're a technology company. We produce technology solutions." However, he did take responsibility for the content they publish. So again, it kind of muddies the waters. Are you a media company? Are you not? But the fact is, is that Google and Facebook won the war. They displaced mass media, but then they refused to take on the responsibilities of mass media, which was to make sure to keep toxic content and fake news away from people and to ensure, you know, we have a safe democracy and so on. So now, in a way, they're kind of being pulled back in and said, hey, you know, you've got to take, take on the responsibilities that mass media had. I mean... Traditional media didn't have problems with uh, toxic content and so on, and and Zuckerberg is telling the Hill, well, it's going to AI is going to take five to ten years to deal with this problem. Well, we ain't going to wait around five to ten years for more <laughs> meddling and more hidden manipulation. You know, we 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 have ways of dealing with it. So, Tom, do you think that regulation of our uh, data is uh is probably beginning to develop now in some way in the minds of our lawmakers that we we need to start regulating how our data is being used. Yes, yes. Now, I think they don't understand how it's being used and that there's a, there's a potential problem that legislation could come in that would make the use of the data really tough to use. So... Zuckerberg's team's obviously going to have to work with them around that. But what's good for Facebook might not be good for the rest of the um, advertising industry. Um, for example, if there's restrictions on the, the way the data can be used, sold, and so on, well, you know, um, Google, uh, Facebook does wouldn't be affected by that because it's already s set up for that. So. Potentially, I think Facebook could turn this around to its own advantage. I mean, it already has a huge amount of the advertising market. Um, uh, Google and Facebook together get about 85% of all new ad deals. I mean, it's massive. So any kind of restrictions um, imposed uh coming up will will probably benefit Facebook rather than hurt it. One thing that could come out of this is that 
I mean, all these extra expenses now, they've got to hire all these editors and so, well, that now kind of makes it a little bit more of a level playing field with traditional media because, you know, they hire people to do these things. So slowly things are kind of equaling up. I mean, they're not going to equal up completely, of course, but, you know, if if the advertising industry, for example, if if advertisers started started advertising in proper media company sites, for example, there's so much fraud going on, ad fraud, that hasn't even been spoken about. Something like $16 billion a year that could be going into the media industry just just goes to these fake sites um, because of all the ad networks. They just pay up. And because the advertisers like the numbers. They buy in the cheap traffic to make the numbers look good. So traditional media is really letting a lot of money just flow out of the door and you know if um, if there was a better accounting of this we could have more of that money flow back into traditional media professional media it's kind of ironic that the collapse of uh, the traditional media business model online is actually not uh, indicative of the practices of uh, traditional media. In other words, it's not that traditional media practices don't create enough value in order to drive revenue. There's just so much fake stuff online. There's a lot of uh, stealing of you know intellectual mm-hmm. property, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Essentially, if you mm-hmm. really go into the depths of it, Tom, I think that what this shows is that traditional media actually does work. It does create value. It's just yeah. the, the people that are creating the value just aren't able to capture it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, for, that's a great point, Jason. Um, we, we we don't have a mechanism to capture the, va- the, the full value of of what professional media uh, does and and its importance to society that there's so many other <laughs> other people um, making money off of it right along the way. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some biological uh, <laughs> metaphor for that. Right. So let me ask you this question then: um, are the lessons that a company that is trying to make media uh, and and trying to serve a community or an mm-hmm. audience. Uh, what lessons can that company learn from what's going on on the Hill now, especially in terms of trying to stay ahead of all of this stuff? Well, I think if you're facing a crisis like Facebook is, um, have your best person up there on the Hill um, taking it on the chin and, you know, apologizing. Uh, Zuckerberg loved apologizing and and being willing to move forward. Uh, I think, uh, you know, that was great media. And, um, you know, a lot of lot of people saying that companies themselves need to be more activists, that CEOs need to be more activists, that employees want their companies to be more activists in the world. Well, you know, you could take a few lessons from Zuckerberg here, pot- potentially. I mean, it's an extreme example, but... You could do the same in your communities. You could be more active. You could encourage your people to be more active. You could you could sponsor some of some media initiatives in 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 your neighborhood, for example. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of things you can do. But you know, we we can talk about uh, you know all those types of things um, at, at another episode because it's it's worth going into more deeply. 
Yeah. I think that one of the lessons that a company can learn from what's going on with Facebook and the, you know, the Russian meddling in the election and the, and the black eye mm-hmm. that, that Facebook has gotten over data breaches and all sorts of things like this, I think one of the big lessons to learn is to stay away from trying to do shortcuts and backdoors to marketing and uh, to just walk through the front door, um, be transparent. In, in what you're doing. If you're offering something of value, uh, yes, it's very difficult to just say, this is valuable and I'm offering it to you. I mean, the first thing that anyone's going to think of, you know, an initial offer like that is, oh yeah, right. <laughs> I've heard that a million times. <laughs> but right. if, you're, if you right. consistently offer that value, if you consistently are offering a helping hand to the community that your products serve, over time, you know, that your message won't be taken as just a stale message that everyone hears over and over again. You know, it's sort of the, it's the sales guy that the first thing that they say to you when you walk on the car lot is, trust me. (laughs) That's kind of hard to do the, (laughs) the initial first time. But if you develop a reputation for sending everyone away with a great deal and a car that not going to break down on the highway next week. Yeah, you go back again, right? I remember uh, um, uh, Greg Gianforte, uh, he headed up uh, Right Now Technologies, which was an enterprise CRM firm. And I, I really liked him. I used to hang out with him sometimes. And I remember him saying one time, the thing about sales is, look, if you've got a product and you know that product could make somebody's life so much better, it's really value to them, then you almost have like a moral duty to present it to them. Uh, and if you do look at sales in that way, look, I've got something that I know is going to make your life better. Uh, it's going to help you with this, that, and the other. And it it doesn't feel like selling at that point. It's almost like a spiritual service you're offering. But the problem is, well, I mean, you first have to start with something that is valuable. Um, I mean, I'm not quite sure if everything out there is sellable in that way. But, yeah, if you do have something that is of value, then you have a, almost a moral duty to present it to people. Yeah. And I would I would have to say, Tom, I'm afraid that probably you and I are not in a position to, you know, help a company that has, an, has a, uh, uh, a suspect product <laughs> to try to sell that, you know, um, or, mm-hmm. and, and to try to tell the stories around that mm-hmm. product or initiative or service. It's just sure. an uphill battle to do it when the value mm-hmm. is questionable. But if you're making something that actually does uh, help somebody, it serves somebody in some way, why... You know, you've got a golden opportunity to use media in a high-quality way. Yeah, but sometimes companies have things, product, services. Not quite sure who it's for. They sure it's quite sure it's probably useful for somebody. <laughs> and sometimes they do actually find a market for it. But it's uh, it's a strange way to do business. Well, on that note, we've hit our 20-minute mark. And until next time, I'm Jason Lopez. This is Every Company is a Media Company. I'm Tom Fremsky.